Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Do you like data or data? So many people get worked up about data, and I really have never understood why. It has no emotion, it can't talk back to you, and it's just a fact. And I know people who love data just for that reason. And on this episode, I want to do some smart thinking on using data proactively in order to support the people you serve. While this episode is dedicated to supporting students in classrooms and school communities, I want you non-educators to hear this as a metaphorical way that you could potentially apply it in your own leadership, in your own world. But before we get too far, let's talk about three things that everyone should know about data. First and foremost, data does not have a heartbeat, so it does not deserve an emotional response. Yep, it's just information. Information that can support you, inform you, and guide you as well as create positive dissonance to ensure that others are working towards the best outcomes off of the results. Now, second and third, data is either leading information or lagging information. And most of us work with lagging data and we fail to create leading indicators for our success. Leading data looks at future information and indicators and lagging looks at historical information. And too often, we make the mistake of looking at historical information that shows us past performance and then we make shifts in behaviors for a totally different set of people based upon that old information and then we can't figure out why our new stuff, well, why it didn't work when it was applied. Well, duh. The reason is that we made a change for those that left and applied it to the new group. Leading data is asking people before we begin what they need, and lagging data is asking people after the journey, how did it go? Weirdly, most people hear the words data and freak out because data is often associated with performance, and performance is always judged. This is where we, as leaders, have the opportunity to move everyone forward. When a new data set of information presents itself, there is zero reason to look around and start seeking excuses for failure. Instead, we need to look for the opportunities within the information to improve. That's what buffaloes do. They see the gaps, identify areas of improvement, and they move on. Cows? Oh, they sit around and wallow, blame, and seek to maintain the status quo in order to protect themselves from change. Now, now, data can also be leading and lagging at the same time, depending upon your situation and role. For instance, a fuel gauge. Your children use your car over the weekend and you hop in on Monday morning and there's a quarter tank of gas. The computer in your car gives you an estimated range for that fuel and as long as you pay attention to it, you have on time and leading data. However, if you get in your car with the assumption that your kids refueled the vehicle and you start driving looking at the fuel without looking at the fuel gauge, your data, that indicator becomes a lagging indicator really quickly because you'll be driving along listening to music or a podcast and all of a sudden, bing, you're staring at a little orange gas pump and your car tells you, get gas. The data is always in front of us and information collected properly can almost always be a leading indicator of our success and not just our success, but those that we serve, which makes us both successful. And that is what I want to talk about today. How do we get the pulse of our students in order to support them holistically with their learning and their future? Well, 
I think it's by being intentional and looking at fuel gauge types of data that are both leading and lagging in order to ensure we can support our students being the best versions of themselves. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Oh, wait. I want to tell you what sparked this episode by sharing a quick story. The other day, a young woman who is student teaching contacted me with a conundrum. She is a senior at a local college in the Milwaukee area and studying to become a history teacher. And she is student teaching with a sage of a teacher, late 50s and a legend at the high school in our region. She was put onto the podcast by her professor, which, by the way, whoever you are, thank you. And she contacted via email looking to be coached a little bit to courage. So I shared with her my cell phone and told her to call me. We had a great conversation, and it was very rewarding for me to hear her talk about all the times she's been buffalo and how she struggled with cows in her life and the profession, but how she keeps charging on and is looking forward to becoming a teacher. She had reached out because she needed advice on how to approach her cooperating teacher and be coached to courage because she needed to charge into a weird little thing that was happening about his assessment design and how she was uncomfortable with some of the questions he asked on the test. I listened to her, and I was having flashbacks to when I was a student. Her issue with the teacher included the fact that he used questions about personal trivial matters, and she never taught them. Things like, in her multiple choice, which one of the following is the name of my dog? How old is my youngest daughter? Where did I go to college? I remember teachers adding little questions like this in the 80s to be funny or to round out the assessment so there'd be an even number to score. However, she was concerned because she was grading the tests and she had taught the content and all of the kids were getting these questions wrong because she was now teaching and she never talked about dogs, daughters, or college. And all of the kids got the questions incorrect. She was afraid to ask for him to eliminate the questions. And I said, well, on the next test, don't eliminate them, replace them. Replace them. And she did. But that's got me thinking. And that started me thinking while I was driving. What could she replace them with? What could we do better on those tests when we wanted to ask for information? And instead of asking information about ourselves, asking for information about the students. And that's what this is all about. Why not create leading indicators of how people are in the natural assessment process? How are the kids? Every teacher who talks to me is still holding on to this romantic idea that things were better with students before COVID. They likely were. But what good does it do to look backwards? I'm guessing when kids use slate and chalk, school supplies were much less expensive. But we can't do anything about that either. Now, looking forward and thinking proactively about those we serve allows us to support success. So what if those extra questions on that student assessment were intentional and beyond learning and actually focused on some of the social and emotional issues that kids are having that we constantly are lagging behind responding to? Now, many schools do annual or semesterly wellness assessments, but that is too often lagging information. It is also a pain in the caboose to a kid to fill out because we ask too many questions and we include everything in these risk assessments. Do you smoke? Do you feel sad? Do you drink? Are you active sexually? Are you this? Are you that? Are you this? Are you that? Then we do very little with the data because we have no idea who these kids are with the issues and we spend a bunch of money on speakers whose job it is to share how they overcame drugs or alcoholism or teenage whatever. All good intentioned, but very little return. So here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge so that you can create the conditions for Buffalo leadership in your school and classroom for you and the kids. 
In your quizzes and assessments, start to add questions to measure things like hope, energy, anxiety, confidence, relationships, motivation. With a little bit of cooperation and a lot of collaboration, you and your teammates can do some pretty remarkable things with this information. I want you to imagine that every week, your grade level all has leading data on the position the kids are in, and with great simplicity, you create a culture that is monitoring the environmental cues of the kids. I remember as a principal and an assistant principal going out on certain days of the week and asking my secretary, what is the lunar cycle today? Because during certain parts of each month, kids could be really weird. And many times, I had no idea why. And these kids were riddled with anxiety or frustration in their own lives. And many of the kids in that predicament would act out a couple of weeks before a school break, and they'd get themselves in trouble just before their time off. It's so weird. And I never knew why. And then the student teacher calls me. And 20 years too late for me, but 20 minutes too early for you, you now know what you could do. So let's actually do something about it. And here's my challenge to you individually, and more importantly, as a school. Imagine for a moment that you had frequent data that informed you how hopeful the students were, how anxious they were, how confident they were, how many relationships they had. It'd be pretty easy if you asked about it every week on just a regular assessment in social studies, in math, in science, in language arts, in art class, in tech ed. It doesn't matter where. Just one question embedded in the test for every kid, and then the data, data, and information could bubble up to give you a leading indicator of what's going on so you could positively respond. Now, here's the idea, and I'm serious. At the end of every test, at every grade level, ask a question measuring the current state of the student. Be intentional on collecting information that is timely and relevant, and create leading indicators of what is going on. Compile that data by classroom, then by grade level, then by school, and see how many different pictures emerge. The questions are not graded, and they're always optional, never mandatory. If you make them mandatory, that's just going to encourage kids to lie. Lots of teachers collect beginning-of-the-year, get-to-know-you types of profiles, but yet we too often don't update them. Well, now, now we're going to continue to build perspective of the kids we're serving so that we can eliminate our own frustrations with them as the time goes on and we get to know them better. We can build tolerance through empathy. Now listen to these end of test questions that you could ask in order to get a real and timely set of information about what's going on in your culture. Here's questions that would measure hope like this. I'm looking forward to blank this weekend. I'm looking forward to blank this week at school. I'm looking forward to this over break. If there is something in there, well, there's hope. If it says something like nothing, no one, I don't have anything to look forward to, that presents us opportunity. On a scale of 1 to 10, with the scale being defined by numbers or words or emojis, this past week my stress level has been 1, very, 10, not at all. Now, we can take that lagging data from the past week and see what was all going on to determine what we can do different the upcoming week. Or we can flip the question. I feel like next week is going to be this level of stress. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Or, on a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, I have a strong relationship with an adult at school. Or, ask the question, I have strong relationships with how many adults at school? 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Can you imagine having that powerful information about your kids month to month? 
The current generation of kids in schools has the most diagnosed levels of anxiety and depression that we've ever seen. And this provides us opportunities. And imagine if the majority of the kids said they had little to no relationships with adults in their schools. Oh, the treatment would be so simple. Start noticing them. Create multiple choice questions about anxiety. Which of the following stands true for you? Circle as many as apply. I am most anxious at school when... I have multiple assignments due. A teacher is stressed. I have substitutes multiple hours of the day. Other students are disrespectful to adults. My friends are being weird. I have a club or athletic competition. I have to perform. My family is stressed. I have to babysit. I have to work. I have responsibilities outside of school. This list could be created by a team of experts, like that awesome school counselor down the hallway. Think of all the things you could measure about the students with frequency in an effort to support them, get to know them, and make sure they can increase their success in the upcoming week or month or over the course of the whole school year. This would need to be done with frequency and become a habit for the students. One question per test per week, all measuring up to a larger picture of what is going on. And then, here's the fun part. After a while, you have lagging data that you can look back upon to see the trends. And that would allow you to see what's going on and potentially predict it as you move forward. If week after week you see the same data, the same information, well, now you can employ system-wide interventions to support the students. And as a staff, you can change your behavior to support those in front of you. I'm telling you, I think this is going to really work. Frequency is going to be key here because one set of data points lags really quickly. And if you are not thinking about and constantly monitoring through process what the kids need for hope, motivation, and relationships, or to support the reduction of their own anxiety, well, then you're going to get what you've always gotten, which is, in all honesty, a blank canvas filled with nothing. No idea why they're acting a certain way. No idea what's going on behind the scenes. No idea what's impacting their learning. No idea why the students are seeming unhinged or frustrated. With older students, you can just leave open-ended questions. What is getting in the way of your learning here at school? Yes, we always have an idea of the few, but it's those quiet, keep-to-themselves kids and the kids who project confidence and the kids who are a little challenging that when we combine all of their information, we might be able to see a pattern that can be addressed. Imagine if your school counselor reported out at a staff meeting a set of indicators about the student's mindsets, sense of hope, confidence, and relationship status with adults from a dashboard that showed the school and the levels. <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool. Imagine when you could all support the unique and specific needs of the kids because you knew what they were this week. This quiz of emotional and hope challenge is just that. It's a challenge to you and a challenge every day in our classrooms. I've listened my entire career about the kids. Well, let's do something unique for the kids. Let's demonstrate care and concern for them just by asking. Now, a warning for you. Do not force this upon the entire staff. Find the navigators and the trailblazers willing to do this. There are cows out there that will actually tell the kids, I'm only asking you these questions on here because I have to. Well, that'll create problems. Kids know who love them, who cares about them, and who's genuine. We all do. So only have the engaged people do this at first. Now, get something to write with. I'm going to pause. One, two, that's as long as I can pause. I found many of these questions on the Positive Psychology website. So go to the Positive Psychology website and then search for mental health questions. There are 50 of them. 
put together what you need in order to be able to support the kids. I want you to do some really smart thinking about this idea. The power of this process is in asking, asking the kids, the students, the people who are our future, your stakeholders, and asking them, how are you doing? How are you emotionally? How's your hope? How's your anxiety? How's your stress? How's your relationships with us? The power is that these answers will allow you to change for the better, but most importantly, to charge into the storms the kids are facing and to be perseverant for those you serve and most of all, to support a culture with leading indicators that will fuel optimism and most importantly, support their learning. So let's do some smart thinking. List who you need to get together in order to get this done. Describe the processes that need to be created within your classroom or your school. And list the data sets you'd want in order to have leading indicators of the students that you serve. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please remember to share this episode and rate it on your platform. And if you'd ever like to collaborate with my awesome colleagues who are experts at this, just email me and our team will enthusiastically help you create this process or any process as well as even the dashboard. Our team is creating lists of questions for you and they'll be in this week's TH3. And finally, and as always, thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. All right. I'm passionate about this for two reasons. It was sparked by a young woman who's going to be a teacher. And second, every teacher is stressed to the gills with their students. And we have no leading indicators to help us support the unique needs of the kids as they continue to cope with the weird world they have. I mean, if you're 14, an eighth grader or a freshman, the stress of friendships is almost enough to paralyze you and inhibit your ability to be successful. Then some teacher like me or you comes along and starts talking about the importance of standards and reading levels and ACT scores and your future. You can't move forward unless you blah, 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 blah. And we paralyze them and we have no idea what they're actually going through. And then we wonder why aren't they doing their best? Hmm. One more challenge. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's do this type of thing with our staff. Let's send out once a week swift surveys. One question, asking them the same things. Yep, let's also think about those we serve alongside and measure where we are week to week with simple one-question inquiries, looking at the emotional and social states of the adults and all of them, not just the teachers, the entire staff. Because each adult in the school is a leader and their ability to be their best, well, that makes great interactions with kids, which sets kids in different directions. Imagine being asked by your principal or by a team at school looking out for us. Just a simple question like... This week, my anxiety is one, two, three, four, five, and why? And then we start to address it and alleviate it and support it and teach people the skills they need to create success for themselves. If we want to have successful kids, we need to put in place human resources practices for them and us. And we need to stop believing that they can do it all on their own. And they being the kids and our colleagues, because we can't and they can't. So here, be brave. Be brave enough to start the right conversation and do some smart thinking. Create a herd of buffaloes that cares enough to teach everyone how to run into the storms they're facing and use the data to predict when those storms are coming. Now, this week's song is by Brendan James, and it's called I'm Here For You. It just seemed appropriate. Hey, what's on your mind? What's got you down? 
this time Please don't hide your tears I've seen you sad before, my dear I'm here for you I'm here for you I'm here for you Because I want 